You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. Right, welcome back into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. As always, you got Pat Lane here with my guy, Matt St. Jean. And uh, this episode, as always, is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. Matt, we got some coaching announcements today. We got some roster movement today. Uh, it's an exciting time. It really feels like we're heading into 2024. Things are happening. It's nice, and it's, you know, it's, I, I don't want to, like, poo-poo the Bill Belichick era, but there is something nice about, like, here's a formal press announcement with a list of all of our coaches. When yeah, was the last right. time we got one of those? And it's yeah. not, like, it doesn't, in no way does it mean the coaches will actually be good, but I right. do like, you know, having that, hey, here's all of our guys and what they do. It's yeah. nice. Yeah, uh, I like that they're going that direction. Yeah, I do agree. I do agree. Before we get into the coaching stuff, I'm going to throw this at you from left field here, but but, but we Oh boy. There were a few things from the Super Bowl that were left over that we didn't mm-hmm. talk about. Specifically, I think the overtime one. The overtime decision, because a bunch of people went, you know, people went back and forth about the overtime decision, right? Of course, the new overtime rules, I'm sure everyone listening knows, but the new overtime rules state that every team get both teams get to possess the ball in overtime. Obviously, if there's a pick thrown, that's possession for the first team, right? And so then first score would win. But in this case, both teams would get to possess the ball. And so the Chiefs talked about, we want to get the ball second because we feel like then we know what to expect. The Niners, it seemed to me, were completely unprepared for the situation. Didn't understand. And so... And maybe Kyle Shanahan did understand, and he did know, and he didn't talk to the players about it. You know, I don't know. Right? That's, I'm not. Yeah, that's what I had heard reported is that the coaches in San Francisco knew what right. was going on, and that they kind right. of didn't think it was a big enough deal to prep yeah. the players, which I I fundamentally disagree with. But um, yeah, I also think, uh, fortunately for San Francisco, the lack of preparedness is not why they lost the overtime. They just right. Well, and that's, yeah, you know, exactly. but there's, and there's a few different things that come down to it, of course, but they went on a great drive and then couldn't punch the ball in the end zone. And then it was like, well, the Chiefs got it. And everyone in the world knew the Chiefs were going to score a touchdown, which they did. Yep. Right. And it was just, okay, your situation. And, and by the way, I think we know Bill Belichick's not the head coach of the Patriots anymore, but I think we know what Bill Belichick would have done because when they changed the rules to a field goal, won't win, the, won't win in overtime anymore, he elected to defer at the start of overtime against the Jets back in 2015, I think. Well, that that was a win thing, though, wasn't it? It was a win thing, but also I believe it was because not just a field goal would win, right? Wasn't that the case, that a field goal it was, alone wouldn't win, correct? It was the combination of the two things. It was yeah, the fact that it right. was super windy, and they figured they can't kick a field goal here, and they thought it was going to be tough to throw the ball anyway, so they figured, all right. Now we get the ball, and all we need to do is score once in any way, and right. we'll win. And also, um, I, if I'm remembering that game correctly, the wind was blowing very strongly in one direction, and it the was. idea was if you get a stop, 
they're gonna right. you can force them to punt into the wind and probably get the ball at like the 50 yard line and be in really good position right of course it didn't work out that way but you know of course you, you have to get the stop correct so if it were you if you win the situation you went by the way kudos to the niners for sticking with their plan they did the same thing the patriots did the last overtime super bowl where the patriots heads. called heads because slaters always call heads called heads didn't get it called heads again to start overtime did get it law of consecutive probability says <laughs> chances are you're not going to get two in a row nevertheless yeah uh so they did the same thing called tails to start the game didn't win called tails to begin overtime did win would you have chosen what they did or would you have done what the chiefs did and elected to kick off i would have chosen what they did um yeah and i think the other thing that kyle shanahan mentioned in the decision making what I think it was him or somebody in the org mentioned was the stamina of the defense. The defense had been on the field a lot in the fourth quarter and they wanted to give them, you know, a bit of a breather there and they had just been on the field. So I had no issue with the decision. I just think, you know, you know, it's Patrick Holmes on the other sideline and you know that he's probably going to score a touchdown. Although to be fair to them, you know, in hindsight, it's why, you know, it's Patrick Holmes. Of course he's going to score a touchdown, but to that point in the game, his only, only touchdown drive had come on a short field after a muffed sure. punt. They had it's held him true. out of the end zone every other time. Now, obviously, the last drive of regulation, they only got held out of the end zone because of the clock and the right. game situation. But, you yep. know, by and large, the defense did a good job. Um, I thought that I thought they made the right decisions. And the game came down to the fact that when the 49ers had a chance to score a touchdown, they couldn't block and messed it up. And when their defense finally got the Chiefs that one fourth down, they could have won the Super Bowl on that play. Mm-hmm. They didn't execute well. Uh, yeah. I thought I thought they made the right decisions and the the player the, the coaching decisions were right. Execution yeah. wasn't in a way that also reflected on poor coaching. Right. And I will say, you know, people calling Steve Wilkes a scapegoat at the end. And I just thought that fourth down play, because that was the Super Bowl right there. You stopped them and you win. They ran that same play like at least five times during the game, and they never adjusted to it. One it's time, Mahomes time. picked up like twenty-five yards on a, on a carry. It's just like, what yeah. are you doing? How do you and they not so, scheme yeah. that? It didn't they make were any crashing, sense. They were crashing so hard on any yeah. kind of option stuff on the running back. Um, the other thing too that uh, I've actually. I go out of my way on Twitter, like follow beat writers of all the teams. That way I get yeah. a little bit of like the insider right. drama. This has been a thing all season. The drama between Steve Wilkes and everybody else in San Francisco. You go back to the Minnesota game that they lost earlier this season. Mm. And there was a, a play call. That was the, the play call before the half. You might remember it. It was a touchdown to Jordan Addison where he ripped the ball away from somebody and then went yes. the length of the field and scored. Yep. Yeah, it was because San Francisco was blitzing. And Kyle Shanahan like reams out Steve Wilkes publicly after that and was like, that was not a situation where we wanted to blitz. We don't want that to happen. And after that, Steve Wilkes used to coach and make his calls from up in the booth. They made him come down to the sideline after that. That was a big internal moment there. And in that final drive of the season against Patrick Mahomes in overtime of the Super Bowl, Kyle Shanahan had to call a timeout because Steve Wilkes called a blitz on something that he didn't want called. Right. And... Uh, you add that to the fact that, like, yeah, I think the defense actually played very well in the Super Bowl for the most part. Yeah, right. They almost lost the game against the Lions, and they almost lost that game against the Packers because of what the defense did. 
are right. way too talented of a unit to be playing like that. I think Steve Wilkes is generally a good defensive coordinator, but it clearly was not was not working with that group. Yeah, and I agree. I don't. I, agree. I don't think it should be super shocking. And it's yeah. there's a certain amount of scapegoat to it, but also like Kyle Shanahan can't. He's not going to fire himself. He's not yeah, going to say true. like, yeah, let me. He's not going to say let me fall on the grenade and fire myself. Right. Right. The only thing he can do is get rid. He's the offense, and the defense had some bad moments. So you and it wasn't getting, wasn't working. So you change the defense. That's really yeah. all you can do, and that's true. Sure. That's a good point. All right, back to the Patriots. We'll get back to the Patriots here. Um, and by and Dad Skywalker, by the way, says Vrabel or Belichick will be perfect for the Niners. I agree. Um, Belichick with her would be fun. Belichick over there would be wild. Um, imagine Belichick imagine with Kyle Shanahan. The the crazy world, the absolute insane world, is the one where. Uh, after retiring last year, Tom listens to the 49ers and does come out of retirement to play for them. Wilk still gets fired, and then Bill ends up as the DC there this year. Imagine that world where in 2024, the <laughs> Kyle Shanahan led 49ers are quarterbacked by Tom Brady with Bill Belichick. Yeah, well, the difference is Steve Wilkes wouldn't be fired today because the Patriots would the the 49ers would have won the Super Bowl. Oh, so, you know, because that's and that's you know that the game Brock Purdy didn't play poorly. Right, Tom Brady makes at least one of those two throws late that Brock Purdy missed. That's the three. difference between I would say the three. He had he had yeah. that one man. I know he's got Chris Jones in his face, but it's third and goal. Like you yeah. can't you can't shy away. You got to stand in the pocket and take the hit and get the ball to Jennings for a touchdown. That's that's a touchdown. He's walking in for a touchdown. It's a timing route, and you go back to the right. end of regulation. That third down, they bring a corner blitz, and Brock Purdy. Throws to the the guy wrong who guy. was defended. Yeah, throws to the wrong yep. slant. Um, yep. And just those are making that mistake, happen. right? Those are things that can't happen. So, anyways, all right. To the Patriots, seventeen new coaches announced. Um, a ton of them. I don't want to go over every single one of them. We don't have time for that. Um, I thought Andre Tippett's son being in being one of those was interesting. Um, who is who is the guy that you're most interested in uh, in seeing? Can I can I list two here? Because there's there's one, there's one higher that I think is the most interesting, and one guy who I'm most interested to see. So I'll start with interested to see. That's your new wide receivers coach, uh, who's not that new. Tyler Hughes was with the Patriots very recently and spent mm-hmm. last season mm-hmm. with Washington as an offensive assistant there. As the same Washington Huskies that produced three receivers that are going to get drafted in the top 100 this year, yep. uh, with you know an offensive coaching staff that lit up college football all year long, got the head coach going to Alabama now with Nick Saban retiring. Like that was a coaching staff that did very, very well last year. And this new wide receivers coach got to sit and learn with them all year long. And, you know, he knows, he knows New England. He was just here. So I, I think that means they must have liked what they saw from him in the building previously as well. And, I'm excited to see what impact he has, not just on the receivers, but in the his input into the offense. Because you know what they were doing at Washington is not similar at all, really, to what they were doing at Cleveland with Alex Van Pelt. So sure. two very different yeah. offenses. I want to see how that comes together. The guy who I think was actually the most interesting hire here is Tom Quinn, the assistant special teams coach. He's he was a the special teams coordinator for the Giants for over a decade, yeah. uh, including he was there for 07 and 2011 when they beat the Patriots. Very accomplished. 
he was in Tennessee this past season. He was the assistant, and then the the head guy got fired by Vrabel, and he was the head special teams coach for um, the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a guy who's older and that experienced combined with a guy who's younger and he's going to assist him, interested about that dynamic. And I'm also interested in the fact that right now you've got a special teams coach, a very, very experienced assistant special teams coach, another assistant who I think is also a quality control guy. That's Andre Tippett's son, Kobe Tippett. And then we know Troy Brown is still on this coaching staff somewhere. If he isn't on offense, which I assume he isn't, he's got to be another special teams assistant. So we're looking at four special teams coaches, probably. Which is interesting. Yep. They're, you know, they totally revamped that. Yeah. That's a great point. And I really like the idea that you have young guys in positions. And so what you do is you bring older guys in to be assistants to them. Right. I think that's a great, like, I like the idea of giving Jeremy Springer the special teams, but he's new, he's young. Right. And so Mm -hmm. what do you do? You hire a guy that's got a ton of seasoning and has done a ton of stuff to be there. I think that's a great thing. Right. And, you know, Drew Wilkins, who, you know, he's, he hasn't been around for too, too long. He's been around for about about 10 years. Dante Hightower comes in as a brand new coach. And so you hire Drew Wilkins as the outside linebacker coach and, and he coaches off, you know, inside linebackers. I think that that's, you know, that's a good thing. And so I look at it and just sit there and say, okay, like that stuff makes sense to me. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see, look, I don't know. I don't know how great everyone's going to be. Um, I'm not sure, uh, you know, what we're going to get out of the offensive line. We got two new offensive line coaches, right? Yeah. Yates. I, Bill Yates, I assume is out. Adrian yeah. Clem obviously seems to be out. Um, and so, you know, we have two new offensive line coaches, you know, I don't know, Scott Peters, they played in the league, but like, what does that mean to me? Not much. I don't know. You know, Which so he has, he has some, like, uh, what do you call it? Like, is it wrestling or UFC or something in his background? Um, I think which I like that. Yeah. 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 A guy who, well, yeah, anything you know, that, anything you can work on. Yes. Cause it's all about hands and feet. Right. And, and yeah. so much more about footwork than it is than, than people give it credit for. Obviously, there's a ton of hand stuff in there as well. But, you know, anyone that has any extra experience with, you know, handwork and footwork, that and Pages Forever said MMA background. So those that's are the things for me true. where it's like, you know, you're working on your hands, you're working on your feet. Like that's all you're doing. Right. With that. So, yeah. um, you know, so I, I like the idea of, of something like that and it branching out a little bit. You know what I mean? And so, um, so we'll see. And, and they went, you know, they went to the, Drew says they, they up, they're upgrading the weight room as well. And so, you know, that Moses Cabrera is yeah. out, uh, who's been there for, for a long, long time. But I, you know, I, I think, I think that there are, there are pros and cons. And look, and you said it, we have no idea. We have no idea how this is going to work out, but I like the fact that they brought in a bunch of guys. They're bringing in a ton of people. And really the reason you do that is because when you have Belichick, Belichick has a small staff. Why does Mm -hmm. Belichick have a small staff? Because Bill Belichick has a specific way he wants to run things. He knows how he wants to run things. He's been doing it for 30 years. He gets it. He's like, I got it under control. We're good. You know what I mean? And so, and listen, it obviously didn't work out the last few years, but that's, that was the philosophy. Gerard Mayo is a brand new head coach. He's 37 years old, right? He doesn't know what the hell he's doing yet. And so bring in a bunch of guys 
and you can and you can lean on their skills for a bunch of different things. I like that idea. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other name on here that I liked is uh, Bicknell. Brian Bicknell, mm-hmm. the new yeah. tight ends coach. Tight ends, yeah. Very experienced. He was in NFL Europe for a while, and I think he has two or three championships over there as an offensive line coach. He was an offensive line coach for a while, worked as a tight mm-hmm. ends coach for a little bit, and then spent most of the last decade as a wide receiver. Wide coach, receivers, yeah. Which, you know, as a tight end guy, that means he's done, you know, both sides of that. He's done every aspect of what it takes to be a tight end. And we know that for Alex Van Pelt, it's a very important position. Those yep. two guys, I believe, um, have some crossover in Cleveland a couple of years ago. As yeah. Well, five years ago. Um, so I, I like that hire a lot. He's also a guy, you know, with a background like that, with a tight ends coach. If this offense, you know, works, and in two years, it looks really good. He's going to be the first guy getting offensive coordinator interviews somewhere, I would imagine. Yep. Yep. But that's a good thing, you know, if, yeah, he's, well, if he gets to that point. Yep. I, I also thought it was... You can't hire guys that you're worried about leaving because they're too nope. good. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting, you know, the kind of the lack of assistance on defense and how many there are on offense. Because for, mm-hmm. for offense, you got a wide receivers coach in Tyler Hughes and the assistant wide receivers coach, Tyquan Underwood, Patriots legend. Love that. Love it. And you, His hair is so legendary still. It's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, an offensive line coach in Scott Peters and an assistant offensive line coach in Robert Kukler. You got your quarterbacks coach in TC McCartney. And presumably we heard he was I think we heard Evan Rothstein was staying as assistant quarterbacks coach. That's what yeah. um Taylor Kyles has here. So that's three different positions where you have a positional assistant there. Defensively, you actually don't have a single uh positional assistant. But right. I mean you have that might shake line. out. Dif- it's, uh, now, that's a possibility that might shake out differently depending on where people are staying and where they're going to, right? I mean, there's a chance, yes. but you, well, you have, find it hard to yeah. believe that that's going to be the case. And it isn't. this isn't like a slight on the defense. I think a lot right. of it has to do with the fact that you have a very defensive coaching staff anyway, and you have two assistants. You have two coaching assistants who are quality control guys, Jamea Lett and Vinny De Palma. De Palma right. actually spent, he spent the last six seasons as a linebacker at Boston College. Yeah. So this is his first ever coaching gig. Uh, this is his first time getting into it. He's going to be learning on the job there, probably doing a lot of the grunt work and mm-hmm. a lot of the video work and working the replays and mm-hmm. all of that kinds of stuff. Um, and they also, you know, they break out inside and outside linebackers. I thought it was interesting. I assumed Dante Hightower was going to be assistant linebackers coach, but instead he is inside linebackers coach. Drew Wilkins is outside linebackers coach. So I think a yeah. storyline when we get to OTAs and camp is, how do they how do they break that out? Are these guys going to work together with all of the linebackers or are they really going to be splitting up yeah, the linebackers into these groups for different drills? And that'll tell us, you know, how they feel about different guys. Where does yeah. if Mac Wilson returns, which it seems like he wants to and everybody seems to want that to happen. Do they have him as an inside guy or an outside guy? Because he played both last year. I'm curious to see that. Yeah. That's a good point. By the way, I just got a text from my dad about this. Uh, that Bicknell's father was the head coach at BC when Doug Flutie played there. So, um, Ooh, that's a great so he's got some, got some local ties. Some local yeah. ties. A little bit of trivia there. I like that. Bob Bicknell. I love it. So, um, so anyways. So, uh, yeah. So, look. We don't know where the coaching staff is going to go. We don't know what it's going to look like. But I think what they're doing makes sense. Now, we were talking about this in the group chat. Like, you know, what are, like, how do they come up with all these guys, right? Where do these guys come from, basically, right? And and the hope, 
the hope is that they have a vision, right? And the vision is, okay, this is what we're going to do. We don't know what that vision is yet, right? But we hope that there's a vision that they're ha that is happening and they can see that vision. And then they say, okay, these guys fit and match that vision that we have, right? Or they're just random dudes. Obviously, some of the Cleveland guys, like, hey, we, we worked with Van Pellet in Cleveland. Like, it makes sense. Green Bay guys, whatever mm -hmm. the case may be, right? Maybe worked with Wolf and, and things like that. So, but again, it's, you know, where did they come up with these guys? And you hope at you hope at least that it's, you know, a situation where either they fit a specific mold or they, you know, have that same type of culture type of thing. So, you know, yeah. I, I like the idea of it at least. Yeah. Uh, Patriots forever six also asks, what do you think of the running backs coach? I don't think we've touched on him at all yet. Um, yeah, he was with breathe. the jets and from what, we have heard of about him, at least what was reported when they brought in the new offensive coaching staff to appease Aaron Rodgers. Robert Sala said, this is one of the guys that can't be touched. He is staying no matter what he's out now because you know, they're really overall on that thing to make it work with Aaron Rodgers. But yeah. he has experience, you know, with the 49ers, I believe like he can't, that's how that's his tie with Robert Sala. And he seems to be well liked everywhere he's gone. So like uh, young guy, and I like that. Um, yeah. 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 Look, so anything. Yeah. It's a good one. And, and again, it's, it's the name. It's funny because I mean, they're just, they're assistant coaches. So the names aren't going to be sexy names anyways to someone on the outside, right? Someone that's not really paying attention to it. He's not a guy you're going to have heard of, but again, what you want to hear is everyone that's worked with him likes him, right? The people yeah. that are there like him. It's like, Hey, we want to move some things around. Okay, we're not touching this guy. You know, like those are the types oh. of things that you want to hear, you know? Yeah. And especially, you know, when we're looking at positional guys, like obviously it's nice if it's like this guy coached guys who were fantastic. But the right. results also don't always matter because a lot of times it'll be, hey, this guy was a positional coach for three years in this spot. And, you know, it, it might have been just three years where they didn't have a lot of talent or the offensive coordinator wanted something else or right. the guy is still learning or figuring it out. No, yeah. Go back yep. to the whole Bill Belichick thing. You know, after his tenure in Cleveland, nobody was saying this guy is going to be what he ended up becoming. So that is correct. Past, especially with positional stuff or even coordinators, past performance can be indicative of future success. But there are so many variables oh, there that you just kind of yeah. have to trust the guys in the room when they make the hire, unless it mm -hmm. is something you know so absolutely insane like hiring Matt Patricia. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So, all right, let's get into the departures. We had two departures today. Uh, well, three, not three, officially yeah. yet, but essentially. Uh, Adrian Phillips is gone. Uh, Lawrence Guy is gone, and Trent Brown is not coming back. So Phillips and Guy obviously had contracts and were both released. And Trent Brown, they just basically have said today that he's not coming back. This was his, um, his contract voided today, I believe. So he, yes. He still, he still can come back. Um, Theoretically, like he this. could. Yeah, but his this is the day's contract avoided with a couple other people, I think, uh, around right. the league. And so I'm all set with Trent Brown. Don't need to see him yeah. again. We're good. And we've talked about this at length with Trent Brown. And I know that Taylor Kyles is a fan of Trent Brown. And I don't know. I don't want to say necessarily that he's a fan of Trent Brown. But, but he does think that Brown has the capability of being a very good left tackle. And I see that he does have that capability of being a very good left tackle. The issue that I have is that he doesn't get there enough. He's not consistent enough. And whatever the case may be, maybe he's just hurt too much. But either way, for me, 
I don't like the idea of having, right, and even DJ is saying, you know, bring Trent back, you have too many holes. We do have a lot of holes. The problem that I have is that for whatever reason, he's been unreliable at left tackle. Yes. And the absolute yeah. last thing you can have is have someone unreliable in a position of need. You just, you yeah. cannot do that. And so to me, I'm all set with not bringing him back and moving on to someone else. Well, I think you consider the age too. Yeah. Trent Brown's not getting any younger out here and he's had the injury issues. And, you know, the next guy, you know, the guy who plays left tackle for you next season is probably not as good as the best play we saw from Trent Brown this year when he's on the field. That's probably going to be how it goes. But also, Trent Brown was never your long-term answer, and he's a guy who clearly has buy-in issues if the team mm-hmm. isn't that good. There's a reason he was available. There's a reason a guy that large who can play that well has been available for the Patriots to get cheap multiple times. Right. And... You know, I think the, there's a chance the next guy is going to be worse, but sometimes you got to rip off the bandaid because the only way to get better is to take risks and move into the future. Um, right. And if, you know, if Gerard Mayo and Trent Brown got along and he could buy into next season and would come back cheap, then, you know, I could get on board with it because it is still a bandaid. And um, if they think, hey, there's no other options, we don't like the tackles in the drafts, you know, we're going to sign him and see how it goes. And we think we're going to get quality play from him because he's going to buy in then sure as long as it's a low risk thing but i think he's yeah. good enough that he'll get you know decent money from a, a quality team this offseason and you let him walk and you start your search for another left tackle right and as drew said you know drew pointed out jonah williams tyron smith there are guys in free agency that that you know can do that and there's a very deep tackle class and, and i some of these tackles can't play left tackle and that's true and so, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to get a left tackle in the second or third round, right? That yeah. can play, that can realistically play left tackle in day one. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, there's some chance that, you know, you take a tackle in the first round, that you move down. Yeah, Ryan exactly. literally just said it. You move down and you take Joe Alt or Olu Fashanu and you plug that guy in at left tackle and you go from there, right? And, yeah. and so, you know, to me, that makes a ton of sense to me if you don't love one of the quarterbacks. If you love one of the three quarterbacks, then you take them, whoever's left at three. If you love all three of them, fine. But if you don't, it makes the most sense for me to go out and get a left tackle because those guys don't grow on trees. I know wide receivers don't grow on trees either. I get that. Like Malik Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. are both incredible, and those guys don't come along every all the time. But like, look around the league. Left tackles are like really good tackles are hard to find. They're just hard to find. And so to me, it's, you know, I I think that you just, you go with a left tackle if you don't love one of the quarterbacks. I think the other thing when you're trying to address the position um, to a degree, I think you're hoping you can look internally, at least for depth, you know, very and low while, you know, he was not a good player for them last year. He's still young and you're hoping, you know, maybe there's something you can develop there. Wheatley is a guy they traded for yeah. last year who was with the Browns, and maybe you can get something out of him. He was injured, and we never saw him. Um, another player who's kind of entirely flown under the radar, and who you know still could be a cap casualty here in the coming weeks, is Calvin Anderson. He didn't yeah. look good last year, but he was also incredibly sick and didn't play. And if he's healthy now and can give you a full offseason, he was a quality swing tackle, at least for the Broncos in 2022, yeah. and can give you something. Um, another uh, there's another pair of names I'm going to mention that I think are interesting. Um, one's a guy we know, and that's 
uh, Josh Illuminor, mm-hmm. Jermaine Illuminor, Jermaine Illuminor, who, yep. yeah, who uh, at least with his PFF grades has improved a ton in his time with the Raiders. And I don't know if they're going to be bringing him back. And then the other guy is somebody from up north, Green Bay, Yash Nyman. Ooh, I thought he you were has... David. I thought you were going to say David Bakhtiari. <laughs> well, Bakhtiari would be interesting. I'm assuming he's yeah. going to go to like the Jets or something. You would think, but. Yeah. Uh, Nyman is a guy who's been their swing tackle for the last two seasons, and he's filled in on both sides. And you know, the Patriots have gotten to see him in games. They haven't got to see him in camp last year. Uh, when he has played for Green Bay, he's played well. I think he's played yeah. on both sides. And you know, I don't know. He's a more recent addition, so you know the guys with the Packers ties who were in the building for New England probably weren't involved in that. Uh, particular addition for the Packers, but if he actually hits free agency here, he's a guy who you know could be a, a low risk proposition to throw at your your tackle depth problem and see if you can turn him into something. They also have, still have friends over in Green Bay, right? And I'm sure there's a few guys, even if he doesn't come back to Green Bay, I'm sure there's a few guys over in Green Bay that like him and would want him back, right? And might get overruled by someone else, or the Patriots might just offer him more money than Green Bay is willing to offer him. So, yeah, and we'll see. We'll uh, see if he hits the market. He's still younger, but uh, yeah. I don't think like it's you're you're not getting your franchise left tackle here unless you're picking somebody in the first or early second. I don't think so. I think right. in free agency, you know, like set your expectations low for free agency at the offensive line because there aren't. It's just not. A I don't like I, Jonah Williams is interesting to me, but he seems like another guy who's going to end up getting paid a lot more than he might actually be worth. Okay. And I think taking stabs at a couple of younger guys who you can coach up with this new offensive staff probably makes more sense. Like I'd rather, I'd rather kind of do what they did this past off season, but you know, higher quality bets than the, the guys that they I took yeah. and spend yeah. the extra money on, you know, a receiver, Mike Evans, if he's available Multiple or Chris Jones, then overpay Pittman. for a, I'd rather do that than overpay for Jonah Williams and miss out on an impact player somewhere else. Yeah, no, I agree. And they have the money. Theoretically, they have the money to do both. Right. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah. All right. So Lawrence guy. Yeah. Got the boot as well. Uh, Lawrence guy, you know, two time nominated for Walter Payton man of the year has done a ton of the community with him and his wife. Um, an underrated player for the Patriots. I think he's a good player. Um, an underrated player for me. Um, and I liked him, but again, I, I wonder, you know, and I think you'd said it in the group chat, right? Right. Like, uh, you know, Sam, this, this is our, give him 80% right of what they got from him. This is our group chat with Rich and, and Alec, the yes, other two guys yes. on this feed, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you've got Sam Roberts, who I think has been pretty solid for them at points. And you got Jeremiah farms who looked pretty good when they brought him up at the end of the season and they were giving him run. Um, another name we kind of forgotten about in here, and even I forgot about earlier, is Daniel Aquale, who mm-hmm. as a spot pass rusher has been good. And he he got lost for the season pretty early on last year. And that, yeah. with the other injuries, flew under the radar. But they have some cheap, young, in-house fills for Lawrence Guy. And this guy's 34 years old now. He saved some money by cutting him. And mm-hmm. I'm not, PFF isn't the gospel here. But I do think it's notable. These are his run defense grades. According to them, he got a 90.4 in 2018 when the Patriots won a Super Bowl. Yep. 65 in 2019, 67 in 2020, 62 in 2021, 51 
2022 and then a 47 in 2023. Yeah. You can see it's getting, it's getting lower and he's getting older and you save money by cutting him. And I think a lot of ways the writing was on the wall here. I'm sure he'll go somewhere else and be a decent role player for somebody next year. He's a great guy, but this is, it's time to either let the young guys play or replace his spot in the lineup with somebody you go spend big money on in what's a pretty good free agent class for yeah. defensive tackles. Yeah, I mean, maybe they go out and sign a high-end D-tackle, and all of a sudden you have Barmore and, you know, the kid Chris from um, Chris Jones, or who says he's not leaving, but who knows. His, <laughs> his agent was like, wait a second, wait, we need you to retract that statement. Uh, so uh, him and then uh, the kid from uh, Baltimore. What the hell is the kid's name from Baltimore? Uh, Matabika. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, whatever, one of those guys, right? JC Jackson. two from two from Miami, too. They got Christian Wilkins, and they got uh, the, point. the other guy whose name is totally escaping me right now. But they got another dude in there who's big, who's given New England trouble at that point. Uh, and it's not yeah, Sealer, because right. there's no. also Sealer I would have loved. Yeah. But he's, yeah, but you're right. There is another there is another Dolphin, but I can't think of his name either. Gotta, but you're right about uh, that. But, yeah, there are guys available, right? And so, um, you know, and so you, you go out and you replace them or you just kind of replace them with guys that are in-house. Uh, and then same thing with Adrian Phillips. I mean, Adrian Phillips, I think I read Adrian Phillips played eight defensive snaps after the bye last year. He just got replaced. He got replaced by the younger guys. Um, and, you know, it just is what it is. Ashen mentioned J.C. Jackson. So a few people have said J.C. Jackson, too. J.C. Jackson is going to get cut. It hasn't yet, but, like, his salary is outrageous this year. There's no way they're going to keep that salary. So um, I assume I assume that, yeah. that he's going to get cut this year. Um, but again, Adrian Phillips, he just got replaced. He got replaced by the young guys on the, on the roster. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also do think that's a potentially good sign for Kyle Duggar coming back. Um, so, and it's but yeah, it was it was nine snaps defensively after the bye. He didn't play more than ten snaps defensively in a game um, after they played in Miami in Week Eight. So the whole back half of the season, yeah. he was uninvolved in the defense. Right. Um, and yep. you know, special teams, you play like three quarters of your special team snaps, but like you can bring back Cody Davis and fill that and be totally fine. Right. And I don't right. think Adrian Phillips gave you anything special no. on special teams this no. year. Like, and I, I like Adrian Phillips and I like the way he played and he's a really good box safety. I don't know about really good. He's a good box safety and he's a, he's a leader in the locker room from all accounts, but he just, it's that's a he's a replaceable guy, and so you move on because you can save some money from it, and you go from there. And so I don't have any yeah, issue. And with that. Mapu replaces him, and I, I don't. I honestly don't think this has as much to do with Kyle Duggar because I think you know Phillips and Duggar weren't really competing for snaps by the end of that. So no. I think it's I think you you let him go because you can replace him with you know Cody Davis and uh, Marty Mapu, Mapu if you yeah. decide to bring back Cody Davis and you know other players like that for very very little money. Good point. Well, it, or even just are, even just Marte Mapu and have him play defense yeah. and special teams. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, he could if he's good, he can do that on his own. And then yeah. um if you're replacing Kyle Duggar, I'm assuming you're spending quite a bit of money or draft capital to to try to do that on the back end. Yeah. Right. Um so yeah. By the way, the Miami defensive lineman was Raekwon Davis. That's kind of mm, Yes, okay. Thank you. That's a moments against the Patriots. So you yes, know, yes. They got. We could pair Godshaw with somebody he knows, or Judon with somebody he knows in that See? front seven. And yeah. old man, on basketball, Marcus Jones getting snaps of safety. I doubt it. He's just too small to play safety. I don't. Wouldn't want him back there at safety. 
I think you've seen the compete level. Um, you've seen the compete level at corner. You know, the T. Higgins game, he just he could just couldn't compete T. Higgins six five. You know what I mean? Like it's what are you gonna do about that? But um, but even like he had he had a nice pass breakup against Devontae Adams, locked him up a few times. So, you know, those are I think that he's more of a slot guy. I'd like to see him kind of play a little bit of slot and a little bit of uh, of you know, slot receiver. And then obviously he's your main punt punt and kick returner too. So um he's not I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be putting him back at safety. If I if I were the Patriots, no. at least. and yeah, and the I, the size is the issue there because it's one, it's tackling, but the other part is he's just like he doesn't make plays on the ball against big receivers. He's not going to be that guy, and that's kind of the number one issue. If you got him right. playing deep, and uh, you know a T Higgins type is coming towards him, it's that's a yeah. rough situation. Even right. if he's 100%. got the speed to play it correctly, you know, right, right, they're going to throw at that and they're going to make a play. Absolutely, at they are. Yeah, yep. So, so all right. So that's good. So I, I look. We don't know where where things are headed right now, but I think I like the direction that they're heading in, and we'll see. You know, we'll kind of see how everything shakes out. Three weeks away from legal tampering period, um, so we're getting there. You know, we're getting there. So, all right, let's get into a break, um, and then and then we'll go from do, there. Uh, we're gonna do. do... We wanna... Doing the dynasty after the break. Yeah, I was thinking dynasty after the break. We'll do we'll do the ad read first, and then we'll go. We'll, we're going to break down just do a quick recap of the first two episodes of the dynasty on Apple Plus, which everyone should be watching if they're not already. Um, and uh, then we'll, we're going to do a live seven round mock draft uh, here. So uh, we both forgot to record <laughs> the audio for the for the ad read. So I'm just going to do the ad read live uh, right now, and so uh, and so we'll go from there. All right. So get buckets on your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. MA, 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gamblinghelpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right. Wait, way to go, Pat. Great ad read. Whew, I'm good. I'm Not good. Out of the park. Golly. All right. So uh <laughs> so anyway, so let's get it let's get into uh the dynasty. So first two episodes of the dynasty. Here's what's crazy about the first two episodes of the dynasty. We're not even to Super Bowl thirty six yet. So like that's one of you talk about what they do, right? And and, and how deep they get. We're still not even there yet, which I think is great. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of of that because they get in depth in things, um, and that's that's my biggest takeaway is is how deep they got into the decision making number one, but then also how they got to those decisions and what influenced them from the past in those decisions. Yeah, and I like uh, you know they talk about the depth. You get some real candid answers from everybody involved about. Um, you know, what goes into the Brady Bloodsoe decision, 
at all of the history um, encompassed in that. You know, I yeah. think it's actually kind of funny the way you hear Kraft talking right from the start in this too. He almost sounds like a mob boss where he's like loyalty above everything. And yeah, you know, that's what we value here, which um, I kind of love that. But it's also very clearly like he is a Boston sports fan. Loyalty is important. This is a family thing for him. He wants the team to win. And he wants to do it the right way. That's kind of his, you can tell that's what his philosophy is. Yeah. And Bill is very much, has always been the willing to make tough decisions if it's what's for the best of the franchise. And, you know, right away for the team, you have those two butting heads. And I liked the way that they covered it. I love, you know, when they're talking about Lawyer Malloy and Ty Law going out to dinner with Tom Brady. And <laughs> Brady's like, I'm not giving this back. And they're like, yeah, that's the attitude. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And they, yeah, stop, they nice don't take job, it seriously. Because yeah. who could have? Uh, right. You know, if you're a player. You know, you're not seeing the bigger picture or anything like that. You're seeing a guy who got paid $100 million to be your starting quarterback who has multiple Pro Bowls and he went to the Super Bowl. You have a kid who's got a good attitude and was a sixth-round pick and who's played well for a couple of weeks. Right, uh, right. And, and and realistically, you know, it's funny because people like to rewrite the history. But they're like, well, your Bledsoe wasn't that good. I mean, you know, I saw people online like, well, you know, I don't know what they were so obsessed with Bledsoe for. Like, they sucked the year before. And I was like, Okay, like what are you talking about? But he has a rocket arm, and that's what you want out of all your quarterbacks was a guy that can sling it and throw it 65 yards in the air easily, you know, and can make the throws that Bledsoe made, which he could still do, right? And he had been the leader since 93 and so on and so forth, you know. So you kind of I'm like, I don't understand what people are confused about. And it's revisionist history. I mean, it's it's hard to understand how insane that decision was by Belichick because yeah. 20 years later, you're like, well, yeah, obviously, Brady's the greatest player of all time. Not even Brady 20 years. You go, you go three months later, and right. you know, Brady wins you a Super Bowl, and it looks like the right decision. You know, Very yeah. quickly, you get your that was the right thing moment, and after that, you're never thinking about it again. But, but you want to know what's getting, you know what crazy, though? Is that, and this is one thing I was surprised they didn't talk about. It, they, they mentioned it a little bit, but I remember... I specifically remember them going to the Super Bowl. Now, Bledsoe, Bledsoe had come in for an injured Brady, which they did a nice job covering, mm-hmm. come in for an injured Brady. There was a lot of questions outside, not in the not in, in the locker room, but there were a lot of questions outside as to who was going to start. And I remember they put a poll up on like, I don't remember if it was Channel 4 or Channel 7. I don't remember. But either way, they put a poll up and it was like 60-40, like, Brady Belichick and I don't even remember but like but that's one of those things like it's crazy when you look at it and you're like people were still asking for blood so even though Brady had taken them all that way people still wanted to see blood so start in the Super Bowl and so you know it's it's really interesting to see I mean look at old man mob right here I just want to pull this up real quick he said my uncle wanted Bill fired and Kraft to sell the team when they went from Brady when they left the Brady instead of blood so it's incredible but that's how people felt because they felt like blood so saved the team yeah and I think it's, I think they did a really good job of handling, you know, you get to see the defensive players who are at that point, they're really the leaders in the locker room and the way they felt about everything that was going on there, which side note, I think, I think my favorite moment in the documentary in the first couple episodes, like the one that set the tone for me is Willie McGinnis talking about that game against the Colts, about how they knew oh, they yeah. needed to set the oh, tone yeah. and the way they segue that into the actual game footage is so, so so good so yeah props to the video editors for doing that yeah. um, they the way they talk through the defense and how they were you know 
uncertain and you're always there's a little locker room thing you're always going to be loyal to the older guys because that's just how it works there's no I saw some people talking about man they were so toxic towards brady there's none of that this is how locker rooms work one of these guys has a ton of accolades and a bunch of skins on the wall and the other guy's a perky 24 year old like this right. is this, there's dynamics there yep. um and i like the way drew talked about it he does not get nearly enough credit for the way he has handled this post everything yeah. the amount of grace he has shown if he said i never want to go to new england ever again i'm never talking about this i'm never doing an interview right you couldn't hold that against him and he right. has been amazing um i like the scott pioli and ernie adams stuff where they talk about why they felt like they needed to make the move and why they thought it was right which was good they they did a good job of balancing talking about why blood so was good and how important he was to the franchise yep. and why they felt the move was necessary and well, they showed those clips from the Jets games where Bledsoe's under pressure and he just won't throw the ball and he just keeps yeah. getting sacked. And he's it's not Mac Jones, but there's just a little bit of that like Mac yeah. Jones in there of, oh man, it's just, it's, he's not seeing it and he's going down and he just keeps getting hit. Yeah. And you know, it's, I don't know, man. It, it's so interesting for me, it, you know, when you look at what Bledsoe did and, and really, and look, it's funny because people, you have, you have the different segments of Patriots Twitter, right? And I always feel like I'm like, am I like the am I like the best Patriots fan ever? Because and it sounds stupid, but like, but I'll explain why. Because people are like, you're just like a Belichick bobo. Like, what is it? Someone's calling us Belichick bootlicker. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, dude? Shout out to that guy. Then I get other people that are like, you just hate Belichick and Kraft is the reason of the downfall of. The- and then I get other people that are like, you're not giving Brady enough credit. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, why? Everyone's attacking me from all sides. Like, like, what's happening right now, dude? Am I the only one that can think critically about this and like be even keeled? Like, what's going on? And even keeled is not a word that many people would use to describe (laughs) me. So I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So, but like, but you know, I will say about Robert Kraft, okay, he bought the team in '94 from 1960 to 1995. And listen, I don't know. But from 1960 to 1995, the Patriots played one, one home playoff game. And that was a 31 to 14 loss to the Houston Oilers. Now, listen, man, you could say whatever you want about how they were a great franchise and they weren't as bad as people thought they were because they were better than people thought. They weren't two and 14 every year. That's true. They played one home playoff game in 35 years. Like that's rough. Come on now, like that, you know. Yeah. And what I the the analogy I made is, they're the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? They weren't the Cleveland Browns or the yeah. New York Jets, but they were the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were like, oh, you know, they're better than we think at times, but they're not really a threat to anyone. No one. And they got you know a couple, a couple you know? of good quarterbacks with a couple of right. good seasons, or you right. know things like that. And yeah, yeah. that's that's how it was. Um, I also saw, anyway. I saw people giving saying like giving Kraft flack for saying that he was thinking about firing Bill after that Rams game, and it's like no, that was, you know, it's obviously in hindsight the reason they were in that game is because of Bill Belichick and the defense and what he was able to do. But in the moment, um, you, you have, win five games your first year, your second year you bench the the guy who your owner just paid a ton of money, you get a primetime home game, and you lose. In yes. large part because your quarterback plays poorly. That's correct. And, and by the way, kudos to Kraft for saying that. He yes. didn't have to say that. 
They didn't interview him after the game. This is 23 years later, and he still is standing up there saying, you know what, I was pissed when they lost that game, and I thought he made the wrong decision. And then, so you know what happened? Then Robert Kraft said, Bill, God damn it, put Belichick back in, put Bledsoe back in and stick Brady back on the bench. That's what happened, right? He yelled at him to, to put Bledsoe back in, and then, oh, no, it, well, it, was, it, was, it was not what happened. No. Well, Brady played the rest of the oh Brady played the rest of the okay. year because Kraft stayed the hell out of it right so he well, may it have was, felt that I, way but it doesn't matter. What I liked because Kraft didn't stay entirely out of it. I liked the way you, the way they described the relationship was I think exactly what you would want. Kraft comes right. to him and says, "Hey, you know this is a bit concerning. You've benched a guy who I like a lot and who I paid a lot mm-hmm. of money, and the other guy, you know, I don't know if he's doing it." Right. Uh, and it was clear that Bill was like, "Nope, this is." my decision and I got my reasons for it. And, and craft was like, all right, well, you're going to, this is on you. We're going to see how this goes. And that's, yep. that's life in the NFL and everybody came together around it. And I'm sure, you know, they don't, they have a losing season that year and Brady doesn't play that well. I'm sure he does get fired because that's life in the NFL. Correct. Quarterback, Pioli, quarterbacks Pioli will get entire organizations fired. Mm-hmm. And he always said <laughs> which, that, said as much, which and, I thought they was, did, you know, they got yeah. fired in Cleveland because, in you know, it wasn't just that. I don't think they probably should have done a time a little bit more on the Cleveland stuff and how Ert Modell announcing like two games into the season yeah. they are moving the team completely undermined Bill's know, last year. There, but we couldn't get into you couldn't get into all that stuff. But I did like the fact that they did look at that Bernie Kosar stuff and be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, we we saw that Kosar didn't have it anymore, so we needed to move on. We know it wasn't going to be popular, but we did it anyways." And it essentially got us fired, right? Yep. And, you know, and we knew the same thing was going to happen if we went to, you know, if we were ready to move on from Drew, we thought Brady was the guy to do it with. But we don't know for sure, of course. And if it doesn't work out, then we're back out on the street again, you know? And so, but I thought that getting, getting the look into, we know what's coming for us if this doesn't work, right? And I think that that was... You know, it wasn't like, oh, we could do whatever the hell we want, right? They weren't sitting there saying that. They were sitting there saying, we believe that this is going to work. We know what's on the line if it doesn't work, but we don't care because we believe it's going to work. And so, yeah, and um, that's what you know. So you, you mean you get you get put in that role to make tough decisions. Mm-hmm. You got to make the tough decision and stand by it. Um, and I think you know, if you want to go to a, a, the modern example of kind of the opposite of that, the guy who I always think about is Brandon Staley, who yeah, did obviously he didn't do a great job as a coach. But after he stuck to his very analytic forward, this is what I'm doing type of mm-hmm. thing, and then got bullied out of it by the press in his last season, he totally abandoned that and coached like any other coach. And it's like you were hired because this is what you were supposed to do, and then you abandoned it. So yeah. at least if you stick to your guns, you could say, hey, this is who I am, and this is why, and then you just totally mm-hmm. lose why you were doing it. And credit to Bill and Pioli and all the other decision makers there for saying, hey, this is our evaluation. We know it's controversial. We know we're going to get yelled at by the press about it, but we're not changing our minds because everybody in this building knows that this is what's best for us to win football games going forward, regardless of any other circumstances, and we're going to stick to it. Yep. Got to have yeah. that kind of conviction. And they also, I don't, you know, we we have, we've seen the show we get with the, the interview we did. We got to get the sneak preview and yeah. uh, they do a good job of establishing the theme of the quarterback decision. Yeah. And Bill Belichick's relationship with the quarterback. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, everybody will see how that 
unfolds over the following you know eight episodes i'm excited right. to rewatch episodes three and four at the end of this week <laughs> me too yeah by the way the other the other little tidbit before we move on that i really liked was that craft mentioning that you know well we clean the fields as much as we legally had to <laughs> but that was it and he's like i don't know if i should be saying that but like but it's like, hey, these legally have to be cleared out, and and we cleared out just as much as we needed to. And I'll tell you what, there's a play that everyone forgets about, and I think I've mentioned it here on the podcast before. My dad and I still talk about this play as being one of the biggest plays in that game. The Raiders punted to the Patriots, and I think it was the second quarter. I might be wrong about that, but I think it was the second quarter. Patriots doing nothing offensively, and the Raiders punted, and – the ball gets down near the goal line, and it was a rookie safety who was just waiting to down, and it was just rolling and rolling, and, and he's just watching it roll, and he picks it up. He's in the end zone. He doesn't know he's in the end zone. If the snow wasn't like going on, right, he downs that ball at the two-yard line. The Patriots are stuck, and they're punting. They're probably not picking up a first down, and then they're punting in the shadow of their own end zone. And on a night like that, the Raiders are getting the ball at midfield at the worst. And so you think like that's a massive, a massive play that happened. And so, you know, because you play a little gamesmanship with, you know, hey, listen, we're cleaning as much as we have to, but we're not doing any more than that, you know? And, and so, and it paid off for them in the long run. And so what a, what a game that, what a freaking game that was. man! I, I loved how they handled the tuck rule part of it too. I thought they nailed that, especially because the, the way they do it is, um, you know, they, they basically treat it like that's the end of the season until, yeah. you know, the music comes back in and everybody finds out, wait, this is still going. And getting that authentic reaction from everybody, I think, was really good. Uh, I just, as a video editing nerd, too, I think the sound design and this is fantastic. Like, yeah. I love when they do the, um, when we're the AFC Championship game there at the end and you get the music. And, and it's like, it this is yeah. the moment. And then so Brady good. gets hit and the music stops. Yeah. So good. Yeah, they, incredible. Yeah. yeah. And they cut, they cut the audio out when Adam kicked the field goal. I think they, they went silent, I believe. Because mm-hmm. uh, you, you lose the football, you can't see it. It's yeah. just and then and then Ernie Adams comes in and is like, of course, that's when coach says, like, was it good? <laughs> yeah. Do we have it? <laughs> like nobody saw it. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's I great. just and it's you know, the opening montage of the whole thing too. Um uh, Oh yeah, that, that three-minute montage. I mean, someone said to me, I showed that to someone. Um, I, my brother-in-law actually I showed it to this weekend, and he was like, "They don't even." Need, I, he's like, "I don't even need the rest of the the series. The, the, literally, just that three minutes is like incredible." You know? Yeah. And um, it's, I'll, I'll let you know right now. You're gonna feel every emotion that you felt during the whole run over again. Every good one, and every bad one, and unfortunately, yep, yeah. yep. And in a in a way that I think is almost therapeutic too yeah. i found watching the whole thing getting to experience some of the negatives again but with the context of everything else that happens there's a certain you know you get to go, you get to go through it again and get over it a little bit more than yeah that exactly was before. and i and i will tell you that you know you hear people say you know people have been bashing it and people have been i just you know look i thought it was great i thought it was incredibly well done of course i've seen all 10 episodes already yeah I thought it was very well done. I thought it was unbiased for the most part, right? I mean, there's every every documentary has a little bit of bias to it. And unfortunately, you just whoever's telling the story, and if everyone's going to give their side of the story, and if one guy isn't going to talk or isn't going to give their side of the story, it's kind of hard not to root against that guy 
because it just he's not giving you his side of the story, right? So, but at the same time, I think everything's covered fairly. I think that they mm-hmm. get into everything. They don't leave important things out. Yeah, they don't try to make them look better than they than they were. I just think overall, as a whole, it was it was incredibly well done, and and everyone's gonna yeah. love it. I really do think that everyone's gonna walk away saying like, I had so much fun watching it. You know, it's it's fantastic. Um, and I think you know, I think the 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 biggest takeaway I have from the whole thing, like the biggest cool thing to me, is the candid interviews with Tom Brady. He yeah. is very honest for the whole documentary about everything, yeah. and. Where's his heart on his sleeve for the whole thing too, you know? Yep. You you see the full range of emotions for him. And uh you know, as a guy who's a childhood hero of mine too, getting to hear him honestly talk about what he thought and his experiences, you know, everything from living in that little house when he's a rookie with his buddies playing video games all the way through the end of his time in New England. Um, it's really cool. Like it's that's just cool. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Boomer, that's one hell of a story. That's a great it's a great story in Juvie. Watching it, yeah. watching it against uh, other Raiders fans. That's great. That's a good story. Um, yeah. All right. You want to get it? You want to do this mock draft? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We'll, so we'll do a mock draft. We're going to do a seven round mock draft. We're going to do it on PFF. Uh, so Matt's going to pull it up. You'll see, unfortunately, you'll lose our pretty faces and just see and just see the mock draft in front of you. Um, obviously, we're picking at the Patriots at number three. This will bring up trades. And so I think it's an interesting situation to just kind of go through. There's been yeah. talk about. There's been talk in the in the group in the chat here. There's been talk about you know should you take a quarterback at three? Should you stay? Should you trade? Should you whatnot? So, well, I, I'm interested to see what we're going to get for trade offers at three. Um, yeah. And of course, that I think that just depends on who goes one and two and who's available yeah. at three. Um, then we can go from there. So yeah, and this is we're going to do a seven round mock. Uh, I have to for anybody who is curious about the settings and is listening and can't see it. The speed is set to fast. Uh, the Care for positional value is a little bit less than halfway. Didn't touch drafts for needs, and I turned up the randomness to half, especially because PFF's board is still, you know, a little bit all over the place, and all of the boards are now. So when I do mock drafts, it gives me sliders. I'm turning up the randomness because uh, weird stuff happens in the NFL draft, and these boards are not even close to complete at this point. Right, and the combine hasn't even happened yet. So, like, yeah. you know, we still don't know. Some guys drop. Some guys are going to drop, and some guys are going are going to rise yeah. between now and the draft, anyways. You know. Yeah. So we can we can start this. Um, Let's do it. Do Do we want to? I'm assuming we'll just let this run to three. We're not trading up. No, no, no. Let's, okay. let's yeah, let's let it ride. All right, so Patriots are on the clock at pick number three. Uh, PFF says that the top three guys are Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, and Brock Bowers. Uh, Drake May and Caleb Williams are the first two picks, with uh, May to the Bears at one, Caleb Williams to the Commanders at two. Surprising. That's surprising. All right, let's uh, let's take a look at the, what the how many trades this is. One or two? There's, it's three, actually. Three, let's see. Uh, so they don't actually offer you trades in the PFF one. They just tell you teams that are interested. Interested, so, right? Yes. So the Chargers would be interested. The Falcons would be, and the Bears would be. I think if we want to keep this realistic of these three, I think the Bears would be the only team interested. All right. So let's go. To, not, let's sorry, go not to, not the Bears, the Falcons. That's what I thought. I'm like the Bears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Falcons at eight. Yeah. So, so let's see. Let's see, see what we could get. From obviously, them. we do three. What about eight, forty-three, and their first next year? It's about a fifty-fifty chance on this. Ooh. 
do you want to throw in like a fifth round pick next year or something like that? Let's see. We do that. That doesn't really change it. 52 to 55. That's probably not worth it. Okay. Do we want to? I can't see the chat right now, so I don't know what they're saying. Uh, do we... If you're going to trade, try to get Pitts is what people say. People people are, are advocating for Kyle Pitts. Let's see what this so looks should we like. Take out, should we take out? Well, let's, let's throw in Kyle Pitts. Uh, it says the trade will not be accepted. They're not interested in trading Kyle Pitts in this one. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. So let's take Kyle Pitts out of there. Yeah. Uh, let's and see if we make this a future two, what it says. Future two, would they would accept. Now, what do we think about this? 843 and 74 this year and a future two. That's interesting, but I think I'd rather the first next year. Okay. So why don't we why don't we do the first next year and maybe throw in a third next year? It gets it up to three. I, I honestly... I'm okay taking Marvin Harrison Jr. if they aren't okay with this. All right, so let's, and we so can let's also, offer this. We, we could do the Jaden Daniels conversation too. So let's offer this. It's basically a 50-50. We'll see if they yep. take it. Not accepted. All right. So we, can, want to, we, can, we can juice it if we want or we can stay here. What if we just let, – let's just – if we throw in that – what if we throw in a fourth next year? Just throw in a fourth next year and just see what happens. Okay, let's try that. Fifty nine percent chance of being accepted. Offer trade not accepted. All right, so let's just stay at three. All right, right. Because so we don't is... need to. We don't need to move back to eight. So this is now. This is the conversation, right? Do we want to take? Do you want to take Jaden Daniels? Yeah. Or do you want to take Marvin Harrison Jr.? Those to me are the are the are the the yeah. two guys the, the two guys that I'm looking at at three. Marvin Harrison Jr. is number two on PFF's overall board. And Jaden Daniels is 22 on their That's overall. That's wild to me. My so my personal opinion here too. Uh, I like Jaden Daniels a lot. I like his tape. I think he's a ton of fun to watch. He's grown every yard as a player. He can do a lot right. But statistically, guys who come out as late as he yeah. do are low hit rate guys. And for as much as they need a quarterback, they need a receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr could basically fix your wide receiver position for the next decade and a half. All right. And yeah. So F it. Let's do it. Let's do Marvin Harrison Jr. And we'll go from there. Okay. We'll try that. And this is going to run to. Now listen, 30. do you, do you want to, nah, let's just go to 34 and see what happens. I was going to say, do you yeah. want to maybe trade back up and, and get a quarterback? But... Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. So this is not, this is not realistic. And this is where you get the weird stuff with PFF. Cause they have the quarterbacks rated so low as we sit here. Uh, the top two players on PFF's board at pick 34 are quarterback Jaden Daniels and quarterback JJ McCarthy. That's outrageous. That's I outrageous. Kind, I kind of think we ignore this because I don't think either one I of them is going to be there in real life. I agree with you. Can you see who wants yeah. to trade with you here? Who wants to trade with you? It's one team, and it's the Cowboys from 56. How far of a drop? 50, it's 56. That's 22 spots. Quick math. Yeesh. I don't like that. Um, I think you kind of just have to take somebody here. Yeah, yeah. You can't. 56 is too far down. Panix, I assume, is gone. Is Panix gone? No. No, no. He would be. And I, I wouldn't. They have Panix at 47. I, I would be 
See, I'm skeptical on Daniels, Knicks, and Penix just for the age things. You know, although 34, yeah. 34, it is a little bit different. Um, right, right. I think it's worth noting, you know, you look at the, the tackle situation. If you're not going quarterback, my first thought is to just go tackle here. I agree with you. But we're here in kind of the gap for yeah. tackles. A if you look at billion tackles went off the board in round one. Like a what crazy they have amount of tackles. They got a Marius Mims at pick 20 to the Steelers. They have Graham Barton listed as a tackle. He's not. He's coming out as a center. J.C. Latham at pick 23. Troy Fountainew at 26. Jordan Morgan at 29. And then Tyler Guyton at pick 33 right before New England picks. Yeah. So I like Patrick Paul a lot. He is a project. Yeah. Um, and so I don't love the idea of taking him. Kingsley's fine, but like I don't – I just don't think that – I'm not confident that he's going to be like a starting caliber left tackle anytime soon. He He's a reach. The only thing that really you benefit from with Kingsley is that he's young, which makes me yeah. feel a little bit better. He is also a, uh, he was, he played left tackle this past season and right tackle in 2022. So he has experience at both sides. Um, right. It, it well, was a good pass blocker, weak run blocker. This would be a reach to take Kingsley. Uh, so Suma Matia, I don't know how to say that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. But um, what if we – would this be insane? Would it be insane to trade with Dallas? Let's see what a trade with Dallas would Like, would what, if we like did, what if we did 34 for 56 and a second next year? They like that. What if we get 87 and a third next year? Get an extra pick in this year's draft. That's not bad. I mean, I know you're moving back 20 spots, but like we're, I'm kind of in the middle right now. And so I wouldn't necessarily mind moving back 20 spots. We could I take, think you can trade back up for 56 if you want and still maintain some draft capital. Theoretically, although, yeah, okay. Either way. Thanks, Dad. We'll right, see you, buddy. Off. Thanks for coming through. Um, go well, ahead. Let's, let's, let's offer it and see what happens. They don't accept. Really? It's like 77% chance. We could just offer it again and see if they take it the second time. That wouldn't make sense. Uh, what about <laughs> what if we just threw in like a six round pick? Gonna do it next year. It doesn't do much, but it does something. We can try it. Oh, what the hell? You know what I mean? Trade hey, accepted. Oh, they accepted it. Okay. All right. All right. So would we would we want to try to come back up here at some point and, and trade back up? Yeah, we could, we certainly could. Um, what do you want to get when we trade back up? Do you want to trade probably, back up? Probably for... Kingsley if we like him. All right. So do you want to the other do one like... is there's there's the Yale tackle too, who I like. That's true. So do you want to trade back to like why don't we move back up to like uh you know, maybe not fit like forty five, let's say? Yeah, let's try that. Forty five, forty six somewhere on there. Um let's try that and, and see where we get. Um let's see who came off the board there. Yeah, no tackle. which is forty four is where I paused it. Okay, and so no, no tackles no off tackle. the board. No tackles have come off. That's Let's good. see what a trade-up here would look like. If we give up that future third's too much. about a future fourth? What if we did a future third and we get a future fourth back? Move back next year to move up this year. Yeah, I like that idea. I like that idea. Let's try it. And we're on the clock. Love it. All right. Kingsley? I like that. Kingsley, let's do it. Yep. All right, I like it. I like it. We're wheeling and dealing here, Pat. Yeah, we are. We are, aren't we? 
I like it. I'm down with it. Oh, Ricky Parasol. Look at that. This is where things get interesting at pick 68. Uh, PFF's best five on the board, Ricky Pearsall, the Florida wide receiver, mm-hmm. Kieran Amegdaji, the Yale tackle, Christian Haynes, the guard from UConn, Braylon Trice, the edge defender from Washington, and Rook Orohoro, Orohoro from Clemson. I got to up my pronunciation game here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. No, don't know. Um, you got Tez Walker, Jamari Thrash, and Brendan Rice, and Malachi Corley kind of all in that. Hashtag my, hashtag my guy. We could take your guy if you want. I think he. I think I like yeah, the way that Malachi Corley pairs with Marvin Harrison Jr. True, that is true. Uh, do you want to look at quarterback just to see what's there? We can. Uh, we can see. You know what? A Spencer Spencer Rattler's on the board here. Yep, Jordan Travis as well. Obviously, is is on the board. He's obviously much later. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we have? Eighty seven as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we could take Rattler. Um, I'd I obviously be okay too. with. What do you say? Like him? Yeah, uh, I, I mean, would get Rattler here when you have the extra picks because you can go get you know a wide receiver with the next one if you want. Right. All right. Let's do. Let's do Rattler. Let's. Do, why not? Why not? Yeah. That's pick sixty-eight and eighty-seven coming up here. Oh, Jamari Thrash is the top guy still on the board in this okay, one. Right. Oh, Christian Mahogany. Bucky Irving is still on the board here. Uh, Renardo Green, by the way, is a corner from Florida State who's a riser right now. He did well at the Shrine Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am partial to Jamari Thrash here because I think he has some some athletic traits on tape that are good. And I think um, he has athletic traits that I think that the Green Bay guys are going to like. Uh, but I also that's think, a good point. Yeah. But I also think Patrick Paul here, you know, is a little interesting. And he thrashes Louisville? Yes. Yeah. Thrash was at Louisville. It's a little bit jarring because he's a wide receiver wearing one at Louisville. And that gives me Devontae Parker yeah, <laughs> issues. <laughs> and he was, I forget where he was previously. He transferred. Georgia to State, Louisville. looks like. Georgia State. Is that what it was? Did they have that on there? Yeah, uh, no, I just, I looked it up because I was yeah. like, oh, I, I'm like, I thought he was a transfer, but I couldn't remember where the heck he transferred from. And that's where it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like Thrash. I like what I've seen from him. I think he's a coachable guy. And I think, you know, if he hits yeah, a, I mean, a Marvin Harrison Jr. pop Thrash receiving core could be something really solid for you. Listen, I'm in. You want to do it? I'm in. Let's do it. And I do, by the way, DJ Daniel saying uh, Patrick Paul is a good value there. I think Patrick Paul would be excellent value in that spot. We've, of course, we've already yeah. drafted Kingsley, so it's like a little bit of a different situation. Um, but that would be a situation where if we had waited and he's still sitting there at that pick, I think that's a great that's great value for the Patriots uh, in that situation. So Here are the tackles on the board at this point, by the way. Uh, of the guys here, Christian Jones would be the most intriguing if we wanted Texas, to double dip yeah. at tackle. Yeah. He's played right tackle for the last two years, and he's got he's got some mean hands. Uh, you know, yeah. he's very very strong and physical player. And you know, if they're not, they need a backup to Michael Wenu. I like what Christian Jones could bring if that's mm. if we want to go tackle. Yeah, I'm all, I'm also a big fan of Bucky Irving, and I've picked him at 104 in like half of my mock drafts. So. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I don't mind. 
I don't know. It's a little early for running back. Can we can we look at uh, tight end? Yes, we can. Yeah, Cade Stover. I like Stover, and I like Ben Sinnott. But I think it's a little early for either of those guys, if I'm being honest with you. Um, yeah, listen, I'm okay with... Uh, I'm okay with either of the right. If you if you like Irving, I'm okay with that. Um, if you want to double dip on you know on a uh, on a on a, uh, on a tackle, we can certainly do that. Um, let's invest in the line. Why let's not? do it. Yeah. So I, think, and I haven't. I will say, uh, Christian Jones. It says here is the third best tackle on the board. They have Matt Gonzalez, Gonzalez, and Dominic Puni. Still on the board here from Pitt in Kansas. I have not watched either one, so I can't really say much about yeah. either one of those guys. Um, I'll look at I'll look at Goncalves Gun- here. Goncalves, I think it is. Goncalves, okay. Yeah. Oh, he he only played three games this season. That's that's okay. why. Yeah. You know, we'll go we'll go Christian Jones. I think I think they would like him. In okay. New England. Yeah. DJ disagrees. He wants them to take Bucky. That's okay. I think that's fair. Like I love Bucky Irving. Um, yeah, we're you know we're also doing something a little bit different here. You know, why correct. Not? We're gonna, yeah. we're going to do a whole bunch of these. All right, fifth round. I think I know exactly who we're taking. Yeah, you'll get Jordan there. Travis. No, I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> no, Will Shipley. No. <laughs> well, one more, one more pick down the board there. Oh my God, Ben Sinnott. Ben Sinnott at 136. Do we oh, send okay. it in? I'm a fan. I'm a fan of we're that. Both, we're both Ben Sinnott guys. Yeah. Yep. So, and again, the, you know, you need a tight end. I think Sinnott does enough good things, blocking and catching the ball, um, that that's beneficial for you. You know, and so, I mean, we'll see, but but I think that that's solid. Oh, so. boy. What do we got? Well, let me tell you, Jaheim Bell still being here at 182. Tickles my fancy. <laughs> He's also a tight end, is he not? He is, and I think those are two guys. You know, Ben Sinnott's best trait is his ability to block, yeah. really. And he's like a traditional inline tight end. Jaheim Bell is like, uh, you know, H back, line him up anywhere. Oh, they're both tight end, but they play the position very differently. Yeah. And, Jaheim Bell is a great athlete. I, I want to see what his testing Let's do looks it. like. Let's Screw it. Let's do it. Two tight we're ends. Even, Come on. We're not even entertaining um, defense in this draft. This is no, just. We don't need to. Is this, what, do we have two receivers, two tackles, two tight ends, and um, a quarterback and so a far? Quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's so outrageous. I love it so much. Um, should we take I feel like we need to take a defensive guy just to be fun. Um, just because yeah. we should. I I want to see, well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if he's still here. Um, uh, uh, Jalex, they even have him on here. Jalex Hunt is a guy. Yeah. I like, I, 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 he must have been taken already. Um, He's or the he's, kid he's, from, is he the kid from? Uh, uh, they don't have the, him on their board, actually. He's a, what, a day, not a day two guy. He's he's, he's a D2 guy, yes? Houston uh, Christian? Yeah, Houston Christian is the FCS. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Why is he Yeah. He was yeah. he was a safety at Cornell for three years, and then an edge defender at Houston Christian for the last two. Who was at the Senior Bowl and is apparently a crazy athlete. I love it so much. He's not on there. How is he not on their board? That's crazy to me. They got weird boards. I guess it's still early, but still, come on. Yeah. They got. Come on, PFF. Get it together. Get it together, PFF. Yeah. And now we're getting into a whole lot of you know who's this guy at pick two twenty nine. <laughs> can we can we take a look at the interior of the defensive line? Yes, we can. This is a little DL for you. <clears throat> Gabe, four Hall, guys left. Gabe Hall was at the uh, Senior Bowl and did well there, if I'm remembering that correctly, if somebody in the chat wants to bring that up. He's ranked 292nd on their board. I feel like we What's, might be able to get him in the seventh round. <laughs> we're in the seventh round. Oh, we are? Yeah. Oh, last pick. pick. Oh, yeah. I like it. Okay. Yeah, well, and this is where things get like, like the difference between rank two hundred and rank two ninety two. It doesn't matter. Prospect, it's yeah. non-existent. True. Um, True. He, he did should well we, the senior goal. Should we go offense again just to have all offensive players? Like, should we draft well, it to a, a halfback? Let's see who the running backs are. Uh, I know from what I looked at, at this point of the draft before, like Isaiah Davis is a big back. Uh, he's good. He did very well for South Dakota State, but he's yeah. not really a a receiving guy. He's not bad, but his I feel like South Dakota State spells disaster for the Patriots. I know. Uh, you got Rasheen Ali here, who uh, it's not not the most elusive guy. Yeah. Uh, got Jaden Sheridan from Monmouth. Oh, Monmouth. He had, he had powerhouse. Seven, 1,700 uh, rushing yards in 2022 and then 1,400 last year. How many Christmas? Blake Watson from Memphis. This is a guy who he has got a high elusiveness rate grade on PFF, and he had almost 500 receiving yards on 53 receptions. Oh, let's do year. it. Let's do that it. Interesting. Yeah, let's let's do it. Blake Watson, do have, who's that? Do we, do we have a pass block grade here? We don't have a pass block grade. All right, we'll take Blake Watson. Oh, man, I don't want to ask about Dylan Lobby. I, I would assume he's long gone at this point. Um, he must be, yeah. yeah. Let me, you know, before this goes away, let me find where he went. He went at pick 168 to the Packers yeah. in this block. Yeah. All right, Blake Watson, it is. All right, love it. All offensive draft. Come on, seven rounds, all offensive players. Love it. Let's see how they uh, what they think at the end of this. Grading our draft, we get an A minus. That's pretty good. There's the final draft right there. I'll tweet this out after. Say, you gotta take a screenshot and tweet it out. That's good. That's fun. That was fun. We're going to do more of that. So we are going to do Mondays. We haven't, we didn't officially announce it before the show, but Mondays, we're going to do mock draft Mondays, stealing from Murph. Uh, sorry, Murph, but we're stealing from Murph. Um, mock draft Mondays. You can email us your mock drafts. And so the email is like the easiest email of all time. It's literally Pat's Nation Network at gmail.com. So that, that's it. And we can, so we can threaten like the description for this on YouTube and podcast yeah. or whatever yeah 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 so and just send us any mock drafts on mondays yeah. if you have and questions you can email us yes, there and, and go from and there we know twitter twitter is weird with notifications and dms at this point so the, the most reliable way to get us a mock draft yeah. is probably going to be that email and also if you got questions if you want to do like we'll do a mailbag at some point in here and if you got questions you want answered on the air uh you know email them our way yeah yeah i like it and dj was saying too which which he said you know trade back to the 20s and get a tackle Next time, and okay. I think that's good. And it's to me, mock drafts are all about, like you said, trying out different things and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't work. And so, um, 
So yeah, so that's that. Um, and yes, light engine. We will we will send it to the coaches so they know what to do. Uh, so I, yeah, but but yeah, hey, it was fun, you know. That so was a good time. Um, all right, so that does it. Oh, before we go, just one one super quick thing. Not Patriots related. Okay, so if you if you're not interested in in movies, that's fine. You could just log out. But uh, I saw Madam Web today. Holy shit! I mean. You talk about a terrible movie. I don't know why it was made. Marvel, Sony now has ruined Marvel. Sony has come out with uh, uh, Venom 2, which is arguably the worst movie I've ever seen in the movie theaters. Um, uh, uh, Jesus Christ, what the hell was a stupid Jared Leto? Uh, Morbius, which is just so bad. Morbius, uh, people people convinced them to re-release it in the theaters and no one went to go see it because they memed it. <laughs> It was like it was ridiculous, and now this movie, which is just, it was a two out of ten. It was awful. It was <laughs> awful, but it wasn't like it wasn't so bad that it was like you have to go see it. Bad. It was just like I was sitting there. I'm like the movie ended. I'm like, why was that made? Like, what would they, they weren't even telling a story. It just, it was crazy. I was like, this is nuts. Um. So, but anyways, I just thought I was like, this is. Sony's got to stop making movies, man. They, and I, what's crazy is that Sony's made all the Tom Holland movies. Of course, they had a lot of help from the from the MCU, but still. And they made the the Spider Man movies across Spider Verse and into the Spider Verse, which are two of the best movies ever. And they come up with this garbage, and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? So I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but you know, it's it's yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And actually, you made the right decision. You made the right decision staying home and watching Oppenheimer instead because uh, Uh, it sucked. (laughs) It sucked. I haven't. I don't know anything about this movie other than that everybody is complaining about it. So um, I'm bad. I'm horrible at watching movies. So I probably wasn't going to watch this anyway, but now I'm definitely (laughs) staying away. Yeah. It's just, I was just, I just was sitting there the whole time and I'm like, are they serious here? Like, is this what, what is going on right now? I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is just, there's no, there was no rhyme or reason why I was made. There was zero character, character development. And then it's like one of those things where like the dialogue is so bad. And then you're just like, I wonder, you don't know, like, is it the actors are terrible, which they yeah. probably are, but is it like the actors because they're so bad or was the writing that bad that the actor just looks even worse than it was? I, you know, and, you and don't know. Was, and was it the director, you know, not being able right. to get the most out of people yeah. and, you know, yeah, not making good crazy. adjustments on the fly yeah. and, uh, yep. I'll st- I'll stay home and I will keep watching the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good call. I'm in mean, season call, two now. I'm, I just I'm finally catching up and watching it. I, yeah. I watched The Wire years ago and now I'm finally on the Sopranos. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Two. Yes, and and DJ mentions the star Dakota Johnson is just terrible. She's just a terrible actress. Is she? She was in the Fifty Shades movies and whatnot, and she just is okay. awful. She just isn't good in anything. So. Um, but yeah, she keeps getting work. Just like the writers of those movies. If you look up the if you look up the writers of those movies, like the writers have made like they did this, they did Morbius, they did Gods of Egypt, they did like some Dracula Untold. They did like some of the worst movies ever, and they just keep getting work. And I'm like, who keeps yeah. hiring these clowns? Like, what's going on, man? It's crazy. You know, credit credit to them. You know, hey like man, the, the Adam Gaze of the directorial business. That's right. That's right. They don't even have. At least Adam Gaze had good stuff with Peyton Manning. They didn't even have anything. They got nothing good <laughs> on their resume, and they still keep getting work. So, gotta love it, you know. It's the American they dream. Got, they got something going for them there. Yep. So, yep. Uh, 
Yeah. So. You got to bring back your podcast with Taylor just to rant about that. I one told thing. him, I'm like, bro, we have to, we have to do something. So he's crazy busy right now. But maybe, maybe after the draft, we'll do, we'll do one or two episodes, but we'll see. Yeah. So, and we'll, we'll sneak in one more question here before we go. Cause you know, old man mob is dropping one in Pat and Matt out of the two Drake may or Jaden Daniels, who would fit Alex Van Pelt's offense the best? Yeah. I don't know if you have a strong opinion. I mean, we talked about it already, but like, Jaden Daniels scares the crap out of me. He might be good, but he scares the crap out of me. He's old, really only is the one-year production. It, it's a concern for me. Um, and so for me, it's Drake May over Jaden Daniels, um, you and know, I, and and, I agree. And pretty emphatically. And I agree for fit, too. Um, yeah. I don't think, I honestly think, you know, with what they did in college, neither of them is all that similar. You know, they're both kind of spread style offenses in a lot of ways, but I think Drake May has done a tiny bit more of what Alex Van Pelt has done with the Browns, yeah. at least. So that makes me feel better. Although, you know, I'm not, I like both of these guys, but I'm not in love with either quarterback prospect. Um, I also think it's worth, I, I mentioned this to you before the show, but I'll mention it on air. We saw the, commanders hire cliff kingsbury who yep. has the ties to caleb williams and now you've got the what was that the raiders hiring raiders, yeah. uh i think his name is the as a quarterback coach who's a guy who's been working with caleb williams and like his draft stuff his offseason workouts and everything so i think it's interesting that two teams are now hiring people tied to caleb williams it could just be that they looked at the offense and said hey they made caleb williams look good we'll get him for our quarterback but yeah, um, right. But interesting. Know, but who knows? I agree with you out there. And DJ also said, uh, get Baker and Evans draft MHJ and call it a day. I mean, it's a great plan. It's seen, it sounds like the bucks are not going to franchise uh, Baker Mayfield. Now that just might mean that they are comfortable with where they're at with a contract extension. seems like yeah. he's going to stay in Tampa, but if he doesn't and he becomes available, he to me is an absolute no brainer. Uh, as as who the first guy you should be bringing in as a veteran quarterback. And then yeah. at three, things open up for you. If you sign someone like him, things open up for you at three. If yeah. Caleb Williams falls in your lap at three, which he isn't going to, but if, if one of those guys falls in your lap at three and you love him, then you draft him if you have to. Or if you're in love with Marvin Harrison Jr., you draft him at three. But if some QB needy team is tra- wants to move up to three, yeah, sure. You can pop back down to 10 or 11 and still get a tackle or, you know, or one of the other wide receivers down there or even do what the Dolphins did in 2021, which is move back to 12 and then move back up into the, you know, around the top 10. I wouldn't give up a first round pick like they did, but but you get the idea. Yeah. You know, you do something like that, pick up a ton of extra draft capital and, you know, and then and then make a move afterwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. And I think you also you attack free agency in a way so that when you get to the draft, you have options. Now you want to have a quarterback come out of free agency that you think can start for you. Uh, Could start for you tomorrow. If you needed, you want to, you want to upgrade your wide receiver room at least a little bit. You want to sign some tackles. So yeah, you got guys who can play there and you know, you're not going to be, this team is not that good, but you want to come out of free agency feeling like you can put the team on the field and they'll be competitive. And then draft is, you know, in addition to that, trying to add players. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So, all right. Well, that does it for the, for this episode. Appreciate you. Um, and then, uh, yeah. night. and we'll go from there. Thursday night, we'll be back uh, with another show. Perhaps a guess, perhaps not. We'll see what happens. Uh, we do want to get into some takeaways. I think I think probably what we're going to do is takeaways from the season. 
Um, yeah. From like the non the non Patriot stuff non-Patriot that we learned from the other teams. teams. Yeah, right. Well, we learned from the other teams, but I think then what showed us things about about the season. So and about mm-hmm. the 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 future of the. Uh, of the NFL. So yeah. anyways, thanks for sticking, stick, sticking with us guys. We appreciate it. And, uh, and we'll be back to talk to you on Thursday night. And thanks to the chat as always, of course, for uh lovely tonight, guys, uh, just great. Great. And no fighting tonight, which is really nice. It was good to see a lot of positivity in the chat, which we, which you know, the long appreciate. weekend got everybody rejuvenated. I think that's right. See, that's right. Good point. So, all right. Well, happy off season and we're on to 2024 and we'll see you on Thursday.